0: Thank you, Tim. Thank you, worship team. What a wonderful time of worship we've had together so far this morning. And uh, may it continue as we. uh, you can grab your copy of God's Word. You can turn with me to uh, Psalm 138. And uh, I'm happy to be up here. And uh, again, my name is T.J. Bennett. Sorry, I didn't introduce myself before. But uh, I do carry what you might refer to as a a bit of a glare. So uh, if you do need some ultraviolet protection it's not going to hurt my feelings, Uh, I am well aware of how bald I actually am. And uh, have brought this upon myself in in more ways than once and really do so every single morning when I uh, try to make sure things are nice and shiny up there. So if you would, go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word. We're going to be, uh, over the next couple of weeks, as we uh, sort of work our way, we're we're in this transition time as we're getting to know one another. And uh, we want to start out in such a way where we are worshiping together and walking together in such a way that we are uh, just delighting in the Lord. And one of the places where it's just so easy and really so familiar and so helpful to stir our hearts to delight in the Lord together is in the Psalms. Uh, And so not only as we worship in song and sing in congregational uh, delight of the Lord Himself and what He has done and is doing and is going to do, that as we study God's Word and really as we come into the book of Psalms, we are reminded these are songs to be sung. That these are not only things to study as God's Word, but these are really things also to have like songs that get stuck in your head throughout the week. Things that remind us along the way so that while you're mowing the grass or while you're taking care of other things around the house or while you're going to work or whatever it is that you find yourself doing, that you find yourself, at least in this circumstance this morning, giving wholehearted thanks to the Lord. So grab your copy of God's Word and read with me, if you will. We're going to read the entirety of Psalm 138, uh, starting in verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 8, so read with me together, if you will. Psalm 138, verse 1 says this, of David, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For, the Lord, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come with gratitude. Delighting in your grace as we have sung, Father, delighting in the fact that as we cry out of the depth of our need for you, Father, that you abundantly provide. Lord, as we come into your word now, as we reflect over the week that we've had, as we look forward to the weeks that are ahead of us, Father, stir in our hearts an enduring sense of thankfulness to you that as we have opportunity to worship together and do ministry together and serve together and love one another together and be united together and reach this community together, Father, stir our hearts in thankfulness to you. May everything about our time together and may everything about our families as we depart from this place be an expression of thanksgiving to you. Father, start this in our own lives individually. And may we look forward to seeing how great your glory is. Yes. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to be in your word together, and it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. So as we start here in Psalm 138, really what we see here, and really in a lot of the Psalms, we're not given a whole lot of context, and this one is very similar to that, although we do have some. We are told really quickly here, it just says, of David. And so we we don't know when in David's life this was written. We don't know exact circumstances of all of that. It's not delineated here for us specifically, but what we can acknowledge here is that as we read this psalm and recognize what's going on here, David found himself something like 3,000 years ago giving thanks to the Lord. Now there have been a lot of things that have come and gone as far as trends and matters of importance over the past 3,000 years. But giving thanks to the Lord is one that has stood the test of time. We are invited into that here this morning as he, as he declares this, as it's revealed from the Lord himself. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. But as he says this, and some of your translations may actually read, I give you praise, O Lord. And really the word that's used there in the Hebrew is actually the word that's making reference to the hand. And so as he's talking about this, he's using that as an illustration of of saying this is a worshipful thanks. Sort of the ways in which we gesture with thanks with our hands even to this day, right? What do we do? We'll clap sometimes or we'll pat somebody on the back, right? We'll raise our hand in gratitude and thankfulness. And so it's this worshipful gratitude that he's talking about. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Now, that's an interesting statement there because we are very familiar with sort of half-hearted thanks. Because if you've ever been around when sometimes a grandparent will give a child or a grandchild a gift and the kid doesn't know what it is, right? And so they look at their mom and dad and they're like, what is this, right? And it's like, just say thank you, right? And so they'll look over there and they'll be like, thank you, right? And it's like, I know you, I mean, I appreciate your, your gratitude there, but I'm not sure you meant ex- all of that. See, sometimes that's how we can be towards the Lord. We've also heard, and we're very familiar with sarcastic gratitude or sarcastic thanks, right? Where we'll say something like, thank you very much. No, he's saying, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. And then when we look at the word even in, in the Hebrew text, the word heart is not simply a reference to the emotion. It's, it's a reference to the heart and the mind and the will. That every sense of thought is directed towards the Lord and gratitude toward Him. That it's thoughtful gratitude for all of who He is and what He has done. That the emotions are in there because it's personal. The salvation that He has provided is a personal, real redemption. And so there's gratitude that reaches down into the depths of who we are. And with the will as well. An exp- a determined expression. I'm going to give you thanks, O Lord, this determination to do so. He says, before the gods I sing your praise. Because we can look around now and we can we know that there's a litany of options to worship. Humanity has always lived among a buffet of beliefs. There's a lot of options out there and there's a lot of people who are slathering all sorts of things onto their plate, so to speak. And in the midst of all of that, we... Or to cry out and to declare and to rejoice in we who know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Amongst all the other options, we give you thanks with our whole heart, Lord. In the face of everything else, we sing your praises. amid all the daily life, all the daily details, songs of praise stuck in our heads. He says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Now, what's striking when we read this in verse 2 where he says, I bow down toward your holy temple. This psalm is of David. The temple as we understand it was not built yet. The tabernacle was in existence. The The temple was not. So as he's describing this, we know the tabernacle existed and all of the intricate detail of what was laid out there and revealed is really an expression in looking forward to finding its entire fulfillment in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can express here as New Testament believers, I bow down toward your holy temple. I am laying my heart down in submission before the Lord Jesus himself in glad surrender. And I give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. God has revealed himself by name. Isn't that a wonderful thing? See, it's a joyful thing as a new pastor to get around and meet everybody. And, of course, I don't know all of your names. I'm working on that. Many of you have been very helpful. Every time you see me, you'll look at me and you'll repeat your name. I'm like, hey, you know, right? I like that. But that's how relationships begin, isn't it? You think of your your precious spouse. How did it start? What's your name? Maybe you said it like that. What's your name? (laughs) You think of your closest friends. You even think about raising your children, right? One of the first things that you did as you nurtured that child is what? Names. Isn't it amazing that God has given us, told us, revealed to us His name? That we know Him by name. We know Jehovah Yahweh. We know Him at, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And it's from His name and understanding Him and knowing Him that He is personal, that He is involved, that we rejoice in Him, that we walk in that and we give thanks to Your name. Why? Because it's in knowing Him personally that we see His character expressed in our lives for His steadfast love and His faithfulness. Now, what we can see as the text is being un- unraveled before us here is that we give wholehearted thanks to God because of His distinctive glory. Steadfast love is distinctive to Him. Idols do not have that, do they? The litany of worship options that surround us do not love you. The images and statues do not love you. Money does not love you as much as you may invest your life in it. Pleasures of sin for a season do not love you even though you may try to get everything you can out of them. Addictions do not love you, even though they may consume your life. Jesus loves you. Steadfast love. His love endures. His love leads us right through salvation where we recognize that we do not deserve Him and yet even still in love, Jesus went to the cross and died there for us. Gave His life as a ransom that as we repent of our sins and trust in Him, we are forgiven and saved by Him. But not only that, it's not one expression of love. That one expression of love leads into all manner of expressions of love. His steadfast love endures forever. On and on and on throughout eternity it goes. And we can never overuse it. And thanks be to God, we never need somebody to call us about getting an extended warranty for it. His steadfast love endures forever. But not only his steadfast love, he also, look at the text, he says, And your faithfulness. Again, distinctive of His own glory that He never fails and He always keeps His promises. And all of His holiness and His righteousness and His love and compassion and mercy, all those things are an expression of His covenant-keeping, promise-keeping, wonderful faithfulness. is part of who He is. It's the reason we can trust Him in all circumstances, no matter who we are or where we are. And even here, it's hard not to see that the most vivid display of steadfast love and faithfulness is displayed on the cross, was it not? All those promises, I'm going to send the Redeemer, I'm going to send Him to save you, I'm going to gather you to Myself, I'm going to send the One who's going to die in your place, the suffering servant, who's going to endure the full outpouring of the wrath of God against your sin, He's going to do it! And just as He promised, His love was displayed, and his love endures. He says, I bow down toward your holy temple. I give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Now, it's important in seeing this, we think in terms of even how we function on a daily basis. When we think somebody is exalted, then all of a sudden we start to listen to their opinion about certain things, right? That's why you turn on the news and you have a particular news channel that you're going to watch. I'm going to listen to this and I'm not going to listen to this. You turn on the radio, you're the same way. But here we have God saying, revealing to us, he's he's David confessing to the Lord, you've exalted above all things that the Lord sees this as of utmost importance. Your name and your word. Yahweh, the one who was and is and is to come. The Lord Jesus Christ, the the one at whom there's salvation. In him and in him alone. There's no other name under heaven among men by which man can be saved. But Jesus provides sure salvation. He says you've exalted your name. He is knowable. Now, isn't that reason enough for us to give wholehearted thanks? We can know him personally, that he's involved in our lives. And that not only is he involved as we recognize His name and the person of who he is, but he also says, "In your word, you've exalted your word." And I wonder, as we read this, do our lives reflect that we exalt what God has exalted? Do our lives reflect that we've exalted the name of Jesus above everything else, and that we've exalted His Word above everything else? Among all the competing voices that we've listened to this week, does His voice hold the most prominence? Has His Word had the most sway in our lives? Are we reading it? Are we feasting on it? Are we coming before it like it's daily bread? Are we recognizing even as we live as families and as we live as individuals and you're going to work and you're talking to your neighbors and everything else that His Word is not only meant to be known but also proclaimed? That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. And then He speaks not only to save but He also speaks to encourage. He speaks to guide. He speaks to lead us. He speaks to show us who He is. There's so many places in Scripture we could go to see this. You think of 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we are comforted by God. What's He doing? He's displaying His character in our own lives, not only so that we would learn and grow and enjoy knowing Him, but that we could also turn around and see that God is... Worked that out in us that we would provide the same comfort to somebody else. Look at how wonderful His Word is. He speaks to show us who He is. He speaks that we would know. That we would give thanks to Him, wholehearted thanks for His distinctive glory. He says, on the day that I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased He answers the phone. When was the last time you had to call customer service, right? And you were sitting there on the phone and somebody, a human being, finally picked up the line. What was the first thing that you said? It was probably something like, oh, thank God. Right? A person. You speak. We get so excited about it. The God of all creation who put the planets into motion, who knows the thoughts and intentions of seven billion people on the planet right now, who quite literally has millions of other things to do, always answers. We cry out, we call, he says, on the day I called, you answered me. When we say, oh Lord, help me, he answers. Oh Lord, give me mercy, he answers. Oh Lord, I need wisdom, he answers. Because he cares. And you think back about the life of David here, and you think of all the things that he was involved in, all the times he would have cried out to the Lord. As his son was chasing him around trying to kill him. On that day he called and God answered him. As David was broken in repentance over his own sin and his own adultery and he needed to know that there's forgiveness he cried out to him and the Lord answered him As he was on the run here there and everywhere and all he had to hang on to was God's promise when everyone else was against him he cried out and the Lord answered him What about us this morning? A lot of us are walking through some hard times, some difficult realities. Maybe you have just some complaints, some frustrations. Maybe you need wisdom. Maybe you just need somebody to hear you out, somebody to finally listen to you, somebody to just let you talk and get it out, let you vent. Call him. He answers. And not only does he answer, look at what he does. He says, my strength of soul, you increased. Strength to endure, even when the circumstances don't change. That's reason for wholehearted thanks to God. Is it not? Wholehearted thanks for his distinctive glory. But not only that. But we see how this transitions into us looking forward. And so our wholehearted thanks to God leads us to look forward with hope. He says in verse 4, All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. He says, All the kings shall give you thanks, O Lord. Now, this is not a declaration that all the kings of the earth were going to be saved. That's not what he's saying here. And in fact, when you look at the, at the Hebrew text, a better translation even for that word for right there in the middle of verse 4 would actually be when. That's the idea behind what's being expressed here. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, when they have heard the words of your mouth, that as the news advances, hearts and lives are transformed. Even the proudest are humbled by God's word when they hear the words of the mouth of the lord now how do you hear the words of the mouth of the lord somebody's got to say it right how are your children going to hear the words of the mouth of the lord i'm glad to tell them but they're going to listen to you before they'll listen to me what about your neighbors and the people that God has placed you around in your work life and in your, amongst your friends and amongst all those that you interact with, even though you may not know them, maybe you see them on a regular basis. Why? That they may hear from you the words of the mouth of the Lord. And the idea here is that if the kings of the earth shall give you thanks when they hear the words of the mouth of the Lord, if God's going to humble kings by his word, then he can humble anybody, can't he? That's our God. That's how mighty he is. That's how good he is. That's how powerful he is. His word pierces the darkness. Maybe you're here and you're, you're curious. Maybe you're, you're, you, know, you sort of have your toe dipped into the church thing for a, the first time in a long time. Maybe you're wondering, what's this all about? Maybe you're doubtful or skeptical. Maybe you've been around for a long time, and yet those things are right there under the surface. Come into the word of the Lord and hear His voice. And for all of us here who are believers, who know Jesus as Savior and Lord, don't be discouraged. Listen to this. As the word goes forth and people hear the word and receive it, lives are Transformed. Those who were not worshiping become worshipers in spirit and in truth. It is so easy to stand around and look around and be, you know, I, I complaints about this and complaints about this, and I don't like this, and I don't like this. But we ought to have thanks and gratitude to him who redeems and makes things that are wrong right. And the way it's going to start is by the advance of his word. He has placed us where we are among the people that we are around for that very purpose. And that we get to be a part of that. This is an invitation that we get to be delighting in and looking forward with hope. When they sing the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Pagan kings converted and singing. And we read this, we're like, really? Does God do that? Well, you could go back and you could read the story of Manasseh. Manasseh was bad. He was worst of the worst, kind of bad. But God humbled him, and he repented. You can go all over the world in all areas, and so many areas on the mission field, and you, you see this strong resistance to the gospel. And then all of the sudden, one of the tribal chiefs will give their life to Christ and say, I, I surrender, I believe. And what happens? The entire village is then converted. Does that happen? It does. Even the most powerful in our midst? One of our most troubled presidents. Andrew Jackson, years ago, he was a tough dude. If you know your history, he was rough, and he carried it with him. He did not like people, and when he didn't like people, he was all willing to tell them that he didn't like people. But long after he was president, he started to take an interest in going to church. He was on later in life. proud man who had such a hard time forgiving his enemies well into his 80s was saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ gave his life to the Lord and in tears and in glad hearted repentance cried out to the Lord Lord I forgive my enemies because you have forgiven me give thanks to the Lord Give wholehearted thanks to Him as we look forward with hope that as the gospel advances, we see the glory of the Lord rising up. Why? Because great is the glory of the Lord. Greater in action, because kings can conquer things for a few years, but the King of kings conquers hearts for all eternity. Greater in character, because kings of the earth may or may not keep their promises, but the Lord Jesus Christ always keeps His. Why else should we look forward with hope? Well, look at verse 6. He says, For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. The Lord is high. The Lord is exalted. The Lord is so far beyond us, and yet He regards the lowly, the humbled, the repentant, the believing. Those who cry out, Lord, I can't save myself. Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I do not have righteousness of my own. He regards the lowly. He gives grace to the humble. Isn't it wonderful to think that he cares about you? Because the fact of the matter is even with the glare, the reality, we're all out of the limelight. We're just normal people living normal lives. We got families, we got jobs, we got kids, we got bills, we got meals, we have life. And He cares. He cares about the daily details of your life, He cares about you specifically. He regards the lowly. That as we acknowledge how exalted he is, we recognize and see just how wonderful he is that he cares about us. Our unique struggles and our unique hurts. He says, but the haughty, he knows from afar. He still knows all about them. He just does not draw them close in fellowship with himself. As we could say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble that pride in the heart of man that opposes him. That says, well, I'm a good person. I don't need this. Even though God has said there's none righteous. No, not one. Not as simply as a means of making the declaration, although he could have just done that. He's done that so that we would see our need for him. So proud to say, I'll save myself or I'll take my chances instead of crying out, Lord, save me. Listen. To the words of the Lord, the Lord is high, but he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. No one goes strutting up to him. The introduction in relationship does not start that way. We bow in humble submission. Every knee will bow and tongue confess, but we best bow in this life before we are compelled to bow in the next. Give wholehearted thanks to the Lord and see how it leads us to look forward with hope. But that wholehearted thanks also pours out in the fact that we, lead, we are led to rest in His personal care. He says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against me, against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. He says, I walk in the midst of trouble. That's his experience. That's his life. That's all of us, isn't it? Sometimes trouble finds us. Sometimes we find trouble. We find ourselves walking in the midst of it, in the the midst of all of that. By His grace, what does He do? He says, you preserve my life. Now, I'm not always one who alliterates everything. Maybe that doesn't make me the best Baptist in the world. I don't know. But I don't alliterate all the time. But it's plainly seen here in the text. We see how God not only displays His personal care in His preservation, in His protection, in His purpose... We also see that it's perpetual. He says, God preserves my life. You look around your house, you preserve what matters, don't you? All the stuff that you have in your house, and we recognize—we just moved, so all the stuff that we have in our house is there on purpose, right? It may be in a box, and it may be in a box for the next 10 years. I don't know, but it's there on purpose. We kept it. The stuff that you've got in your house, you kept it. The reason you're still driving your car is you kept it. Those relationships that you have with people, you've preserved those because they matter to you, right? God preserves us. We matter to Him. Don't we see His personal care here? That He holds us together when everything in life feels like it's pulling us apart at the seams. That amid sorrows and amid fears and amid failures, He keeps us, His strength amidst our weakness, His calm in the midst of our trouble. That when we can't hold up our head high, He uplifts us by His hand. When we can't see the road ahead of us, He lights the path. When we can't explain why, All the stuff going around us is going around us. We can trust the who, who's told us he is with us. He says, you stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. You see, His protection here. Because there is an enemy seeking to destroy your faith. He's real. He's all too involved. And we're foolish to deny it. How are we going to make it through? Him. He preserves us and He protects us. Trust Him. Walk with him in faith and trust him. And his right hand delivers me the, the right hand of his might and his care and his hope and his love. And you can see it almost like a, a father wrapping his arms around his children saying, you are mine. And he's holding us fast and pushing everyone else away. Resting in his care is reason for thankfulness to him. But his personal care also involves our purpose. He says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. He's not done yet. Isn't that wonderful news? He's not done yet. The reason you're here today is because he's not done with you yet. Now, maybe you acknowledged that when you looked in the mirror this morning. I don't really know. Like, you can't be done with this. Although sometimes it feels that way. He's not done. He says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Nothing can stop him. No enemy, no threat, no trouble. He gives purpose amidst all of that. And so in all the hard circumstances and all the the suffering and the, the, the trouble and the fear and the tears and the crying and the weeping, he's at work in all that teaching us and guiding us and growing us and sanctifying us no matter the moment. Trust him who's like a master artist taking what looks like a mess and turning it into a wonderful masterpiece that declares his glory. You mean there's purpose for the pain that you're going through right now? Yes, there's purpose. You mean there's purpose for the the sickness that you may be walking through? Yes, in the grief and in the sorrow. Yes, God is working in you and He's going to display His glory in you as you trust Him and you will see it and have opportunity to declare His praise for it. He will fulfill His purpose for me. How can we be so sure? He says, your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. He is that good. His love endures all of the brokenness and all of the tears. His love endures all the doubts of his care and all the doubts of his love. Give thanks for him because he endures forever his love right there with us maybe we don't see it in the moment maybe it'll take you decades later looking back and then all of a sudden you'll be amazed he was there all along his steadfast love was with me carrying me he's the best no matter what we send our kids out with no matter what's all the time, don't we? No matter what they tell you at school, just remember, mommy and daddy love you, right? Maybe you have to go out of town for work, and no matter what, I love you, baby, I love you too. We love these no matter what guarantees, right? No matter what else happens, no matter what, your steadfast love, O oh Lord, endures forever. Give thanks to him for it. No matter what. His love endures. It has endured all of our sin and all of our rebellion. It has endured all of the sin that was even inflicted upon you by somebody else. His love endures forever, even though you may not see it yet, even though you may not have experienced it yet. His love endures forever. So do not forsake the work of your hands. Wholehearted thanks leads to resting in His care. His preservation, His protection, His purpose, and it is perpetual. Do not forsake the work of your hands. He's made us. He's formed us intricately together in our mother's womb. You can actually read the next psalm and read that in Psalm 139. He made us with all of our personalities and all of our quirks, all the little details about who we are and how we are, all the things that our spouses love about us, and all the things that our spouses are like, that's for my sanctification. This is a cry, a prayer, and a declaration of trust all in the same moment. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And on the basis of what God has already revealed about His steadfast love and His faithfulness, we already know He won't. So we enjoy his perpetual care, that God always finishes what he starts, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. He's doing that. He will do that. He will use our troubles. He will use our sorrows, that we would rejoice in his love and in his faithfulness. So it's like crying out, Lord. In this moment now, Lord, keep showing us the wonder of who you are. Take my life just how it is and let it be the context of the wonders of your redeeming love and your faithfulness and give us eyes to see it, Lord. Give us eyes to see the wonder of the reconciling power of the gospel as he calls unbelievers to himself and they trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. And not only do we see God reconciling sinners to himself, but then we also see God reconciling sinners to sinners and we're reconciled together in Christ. That's so much of what we're going to celebrate next weekend, is it not? That we have unity in Christ across all cultures and languages and tongues and geographic locations in Christ there's unity. Don't forsake the work of your hands. He won't, he hasn't, and he's not going to. Wholehearted thanks to God. We have so many reasons. But is it the testimony of your heart this morning? Does your life cry out in gratitude for Jesus? From where you sit right now. Do you give thanks. For his steadfast love. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not a single one of us is righteous. So we can't go wagging our finger in other people's face. But the steadfast love of the Lord promised the redeemer would come and he did fully god fully man born of a virgin was tempted in every way as we are came in the flesh was tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin went to the cross and died there in our place that every person who turns from their sin and trusts in Jesus as Savior and Lord will be saved. When you look at the cross and you say, that's the expression of steadfast love, that God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, endured the full outpouring of the wrath of God against our sin, died, and then three days later, rose in victory. Does your heart give thanks for that? In the midst of whatever circumstance you find yourself in this morning, is that the testimony of your heart in life? Because if it's not, today is a good day to start. Today is an opportunity. Today is another day of mercy as it's described in 2 Peter. It's another opportunity to repent and believe and to trust Him and that your life would turn into a song, an expression of praise to Him. Trust Him today if you never have before. And for every person in here who is a believer, when we walk out of these doors, into whatever circumstances we walk right back into, wherever you go and wherever He leads, there's reason for wholehearted thanks to Him for His distinctive glory, for the power of the gospel to bring us to look forward with hope and for the absolute assurance of his ongoing personal care. May our lives display we trust him today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and Lord, we thank you for how you teach us. God, we thank you that we get to worship you together, that we get to walk in your word together, that we get to cry out in prayer together, that we get to be family together. Lord, we thank you for all the ways in which you have blessed us. But Lord, more than anything else, we thank you for Jesus. And Father, we ask right now that in the hearts and minds of each and every person within the sound of my voice, Father, for the person who's here, who's never known Jesus as Savior and Lord, Father, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. They may not know what to say, but may they cry out to you in this moment now, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner, that they would then go home justified through faith in Jesus Christ. Father, stir our hearts yet again. Revive our hearts in thankfulness to you. And Lord, in all of our response to your word here today, may it give even more reason to give thanks to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.